Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Song Mess. My name is Richard Villegas, and I uh, am here with some uh, lovely guests, uh, which we're going to get to in a moment. Right now, we're listening to the absolutely legendary America. This is from West Side Story, the musical from 1960-something. We will Google. Um, and we'll be right back after these messages. to keep clean. Skyscrapers bloom in America. Cadillacs bloom in America. Industry bloom in America. Well, in a room in America. <laughs> Lots of new housing with more space. Lots of doors slamming in our face. I'll get a terrace apartment. Better get rid of your accent. Life can be bright in America. If you can fight in America. Life is all right in America. If you're all white in America.
oh my God, and wouldn't you know it, we're back. <laughs> uh, and I am here with some incredible, sort of like incredible guests that I didn't even expect today. Um, so uh, I'm joined <laughs> by the amazing uh, Fabi Fav, Justin Favela of Latinos Who Lunch. Hello, hello, hello. And Veronica Valletti Flores from Radio Menea. Que show, que show, que show. Hey! <laughs> oh my God, today is so hey! legendary. Hey. <laughs> 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 um, yes, uh, first of all, first and foremost, shout out to Beverly Bryan. Uh, she is unfortunately not in the studio with us today. Um, but oh we my miss God. miss you, Beverly. Distinguished yes. guests galore. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being on this show, guys. So exciting. I can't believe it. I've made it. Estamos muy excited. <laughs> muy excited. Radio Menea, and now I'm on Song Mess. Oh, my God. That's well, it. But you're on me, too. And that's how I like it. Okay. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and so, uh, obviously, aside from being, you know, song uh, podcast royalty, um, we are also discussing some music today <laughs> and, like, talking about y'alls. And, like, I don't know how to do this. I just, like, I'm so that's excited, fine. guys. That's fine. Um, yeah, like you guys make me feel like a fan right now. Well, this, I think our listeners should know that this is an impromptu recording session. Yes. Here we are on a Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're in Queens. <laughs> we had lunch together and it just evolves into an extended hangout in which we're recording this very episode that's coming into your ears. And, yes. and, and, you know, like I, you know, uh, Fabi and I already had plans to record. Like we, you know, we have an episode, and then we have we're going to be adding like an extra little extra fun something <laughs> a at the flair. end because, like, you know, having <laughs> having Vero, yes, <laughs> having Vero in the studio. How could we also not add some more music to this? So let's let's get the show going, and quite literally, uh, I mean, we're you know we started with a show tune. And Fabi and I have been talking about musicals for a long time because they get a lot of hate, but we have love for musicals. Yes, and I think I think I stayed away from loving musicals for a long time because if, if ever since a, I was a little boy, I loved them, mm, but I knew it was mm-hmm. a gay thing. So, so it was you just, just like didn't want to like, do ah, that. Do yeah. not engage. Do not <laughs> engage. And then finally in high school, I was like, "Fuck it, I love musicals." Right? right? Aren't they great? Yeah, I remember I was in marching band, so I played right. the tuba. Yes. <laughs> Fabi and I were just talking about how I once dated a tubist and he wasn't shit. So Ooh, It's mm. true. We are not shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're the worst. Too real. Um, but when, we, when I was in marching band, we played this uh, composition of Candide, Leonard Bernstein's Candide, which is an old school musical. And then that brought me to looking up other musicals. And of course, West Side Story is another Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein. I don't know how to say it. Bern, uh, did Bernstein. Either. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, think I they're going to. Yeah. I don't think they're not going to be, they're, they're going to be mad at you. But I think that was one of the first musicals that featured an all Latino cast. And I'm saying Latino in quotes because mm. most of them were just white people and brown face. Hellier. But Rita Moreno, of course. Of course. It, yeah, yeah. I think she was the only Latina in that show, other than like extras and stuff like that, right? Well, it, the, she was she was in the movie, uh, in the Broadway version. They actually, oh, right. they actually in the Broadway version there was more white people, and then by the time they did the film adaption, they're like, okay, we should actually put some Puerto Ricans yes. in mm-hmm. this production, and they did. You know, they did adjust even back then when it came out. So I forget her name, and I could Google it, uh, but like the. 
the lead actress in the play on the Broadway show, and I know this because she was on uh, RuPaul's podcast, she was married to Miles Davis, and she won the oh, Tony wow. for this. And it was like a big deal because she was like one of the first... I, I don't know if she's black or if she's Latina, but she won. Yeah. I believe she's Latina. I believe she's Puerto Rican even. But she won the Tony for this and it was like a big thing because it was like, <gasps> somebody of color on Broadway, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I know that she was like, she was married to Miles Davis and it was like a big thing. So like, it's really cool. Like oh, this yeah. is a very brown, groundbreaking brown musical. and Totally. And even in this song, America, you know, it's kind of like corny and like. Uh, tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of really great lines in there. Yeah, you yeah. know, like yeah. What's the line? Like, uh, it's great to be white in America. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. No or, lies told today. No, not at all. Um, and so yeah, and so that's what we're gonna discuss at this little, you know, early juncture with some, you know, additional maybe interview questions and fun messy things because um, you've both been. Uh, guests on Song Mess before, but just briefly, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I was drunk both times <laughs> interviewing you on the street. Um, <laughs> ooh, oh. Too real. Oh. And maybe I'm a little drunk right now. But um, but yeah, so like, I, you know, I'm. I, this is a, a great opportunity that I'm just going to take. But like, so let's talk first about you, Justin Favela, Favi Fav, uh, artist extraordinaire. Um, you know, again, you know, some of you listeners might recognize, uh, Fabi from Latinos for Lunch podcast, uh, which is brilliant and, you know, so exciting and doing so many exciting things, which we will talk about, but I want to talk about your art first, okay. you know, let's, yes. uh, you know, this is your bread and butter, you know, you are a working artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Oh, okay. So I do mainly sculpture and installation art. So right now I've been traveling a lot and doing installations at different institutions and galleries, but mostly museums because they're the ones that have like the big budgets to like be able to like host me for a whole month, right? So that I can like fill the gallery up. And usually the work that I do is based around my identity. And I do a lot of work in a piñata-inspired style. So I've, I started making the objects, like the piñata, to represent mm-hmm. my Latinidad. Um, and I kind of stayed away from doing that for a very long time because I didn't want to be that artist. You know, once you're the brown artist that makes art about being brown, there's no turning back, yep. right? Typecast right. forever. Uh, right. Yeah. And so uh, once, I, once I took the... Uh, the plunge, as they say, there's no turning back, and I just and I I'm, I'm just going with it. So I thought I was gonna make one piñata, and that was gonna be it. But mm-hmm. here I am, ten years later, still making piñata. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you've been doing They're this for ten really years now. Cool ones. Yeah. So that so so then it it went beyond just thinking of the piñata as an object, but as a symbol of not only this nation but also like. Mexico and Central America, where I'm from, and or where my family's from, I should say. I'm from Las Vegas. Um, but then also stretching the medium, right? So not only thinking mm-hmm. of, of tissue paper uh, as to put on an object, but tissue paper to like take over an entire space and then make a commentary on the museum walls, you know, like these white walls that mm-hmm. are actually being broken down because they're letting me paste paper all over it. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like to mess with like um, symbols of my like Mexican-American, Guatemalan-American, Chicano, Lat- Latinx, whatever you want to call me. As long as the check clears, I don't give a fuck, right? Yes. So <laughs> um, uh, I like to 
to play with those symbols. So like I've made work about Frida, you know, or I've made work about nachos. I've made work about, you know, like Velasco, Velasco, San Maria Velasco. Mm-hmm. So like, um, yeah, that's, that's what my work is kind of based around. And right now I'm feeling really strongly about representing all the pochos out there. Like all of these Latinos that don't feel Latino enough because yes. maybe they don't speak perfect Spanish or maybe they don't know their ancestry and they're not, mm. you know, Aztec warriors or whatever the fuck, you know, like Chicanex, uh, Chingones, right? But they're still, their identity is still valid. So I feel like with my work, I'm speaking to those millions of people, right? Yeah. 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 Maybe thousands. I don't know what millions. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and it's really interesting because, like, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I kind of started as a fan with Latinos Who Lunch. And, like, I'll listen to you guys talk about art and how a lot of brown people are often not, they don't feel welcome in these spaces. And one particular story that you told where you were, like, basically setting up some sort of installation or something and, like, a school class, like, walked by and, like, a kid was like, oh, it's made of paper. And then another one was like, no, that's piñata. Yes. And, like, that to me is, like, ul- the ultimate representation yes. of what it is that you do. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, you know, like, I feel, do you feel, like, fulfilled? Do you feel like you're doing that in that way? Like, it's- Yeah, I always push myself to make my work accessible, like, and and for those kids and for so I'm thinking of my grandmother I'm thinking of my little cousin when I'm mm-hmm, doing this and it's like mm-hmm. if it's not for them if they don't understand what I'm doing then I, it's I'm not reaching the right audience right um, and I had to check myself a lot especially when I first started making art because I was making art for the art world or I was making art for my professors you know I was making art for academia I wasn't making art for myself for mm-hmm. people you know and even music is better that way when like the music comes from a person and not, not you know, it's not like for like a, a wider like pop audience, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is amazing, right? Like you do have your, you know, Jeff Koons and <laughs> Damien Hirst out there that are making a lot of money doing that. Yeah. But I feel like the most interesting art to me is the one that uh, makes you think, maybe confronts you with something you didn't think about, includes you or, um, you know, just challenges you in a certain way. Well, that's so powerful. That kid like got to be like the one who knew yeah. in that moment. Exactly. You know? Yeah, the little white boy was like, look, it's sticky notes. And yeah. Right, that's what and it was. he was like, dude, that's piñata. Like, yeah. wake the fuck up, you know? Get it together. Yeah, and in that way, that kid saw himself on those museum walls of this very like white supremacist institution that he probably wouldn't have seen himself in, right? Yeah, but now, and he fucking knew what that shit yeah. was on there. Totally. Well, I definitely, I definitely want to talk about, you know, your art as like in in this way, like how it's like has an activist perspective. And then we're going to talk also about a little bit more of what you do, Vero. Um, But let's take a music break. Let's talk about the next song that you brought in, which is from In the Heights. Yes. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) It's about to get real. Okay. I've talked a lot of shit about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Same. Um, All day forever. And it's because... Of Hamilton, right? Okay. What do you guys feel about Hamilton? Do you like it? Do you not like it? I like what it represents. Um, and I did, see, I remember when like that first song, you know, uh, the, the the intro song was performed at the Grammys. I was like, I was uh-huh. shook. I was like, oh my God, I have to see this. But I haven't really like cared much more other than that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, when when I first heard Hamilton, I just heard the soundtrack and I was like, this is cool. Like, this Latino did this whole thing, and it's it's all people of color, and it's amazing. Um, and then it and then it got out of control 
with like the amount of like white celebrities that were endorsing it. Oh, the amount of like white celebrities that were endorsing it, and it, it's like Rosie O'Donnell's like I saw it forty seven times. Yeah. I'm what? like gross. That's <laughs> why I couldn't get a ticket. Exactly. <laughs> that is a Bitch. fact. And then I'm looking at the ticket prices, and it just like it was gr- so much. It grossed me out, and it's like all you see is white people watching people of color perform this like yeah. white storyline that's like a twist with rap, and the rap is annoying. You know, like. Well, I like the idea of uh, like retelling American history through, you know, black and brown voices. I, I appreciate that. Yes, but there's this thing, especially in the art world too, that I have to do or that I have done once in a while is like you have to uh, you have to do something that white people relate to in order to make money. So it's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do a play about Al- Alexander uh, Alexander Hamilton because you know, he is, you know who he he's, is. Everybody knows who he is, one of the right. founding fathers or whatever. And yes, he was different than, you know, a lot of them, but the same in a lot of other ways. But, right. um, uh, like, for example, I have made replicas of like famous white artists' work in a piñata style uh-huh. or in like cardboard as like a tongue in cheek yeah. joke. But am I being disrespectful to that artist or am I just making copies of these white artists, this white canon that exists in the yeah, art world yeah. to be part of that. You right. know? So that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about Hamilton. And also it's like we only get one person in the media to represent us, right? So it's like That is correct. It's like, yo, okay, you have Lynn Manuel Miranda, like that's all you get. Like right. nobody else can, you know, like that's, that's, that's what always happens. And people say that doesn't exist and we're making, no, like that's it. Like, like, and, and they always, they always pin people against each other. Right. It's like, are you a Rihanna fan? Or are you a Beyonce right. fan? JLo or Shakira? Like right. I both. Hate that. I, hate I love both. all of them. Can yes. they do a tour together? That would be amazing. Hello. Well, like, that was the whole drama with Cardi B, right? Like it was right. like everything was everything about Cardi B had to be bounced off, like whether she was a worthy opponent to, to Nicki, Nicki Minaj. Which is like, why yeah. can't they just both exist? There's a bazillion shitty men rappers. Exactly. They yeah. all get to exist together. Yeah. And I mean, and like, you know, how many of these rappers like can you tell apart on it? Like, you know, like, it, like, like there's like five yeah. women out here doing it. Like, yeah, give me girl. 80 bad women rappers too. Hello. And then I can pick yeah. the ones that I like. Trina. Um, I love you. Yeah. Oh, ooh, she tried it. Um, no, but all that to say, I was hating on Lin Manuel Miranda right. a lot. And, uh, and then there was a local production of In the Heights in Las Vegas. Mm. And I went to go see it with my cousin. And within the opening song, I was crying because on stage was all brown people performing. And In the Heights, I think, is like a response to, it's like a new take on West Side Story. It's like yeah. a more real hip-hop, bachata, salsa, like version of, it's like Dominican version of... Um, of uh, West Side Story, which I really loved. And it's based on Washington Heights right here mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I saw it in Las Vegas, it was also incredible because the brown people that live in Vegas are mostly Mexican. There are, f- right. there are a few like Caribbean people there, but then uh, there's a lot of Filipinos too in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and Hawaiian people. Mm-hmm. And they included them in the show and they were all playing, you know, yeah, people from yeah. New York. But it was just so beautiful to see all those people and see them connect through this musical. Well, the point is that there was melanin on the stage, which I think is sort of the yeah. greater. Yeah. And 
after I saw that, I, I understood. Right. I was like, okay, this is powerful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, so th- and that's why I understand that Hamilton is important for a lot of people, even like Afro-Latinos and African-Americans, yes. right, that maybe are not represented in Broadway mm-hmm. in, a, in, the, mm-hmm. in that very same way. Like, dude, Hamilton, like that employs so many people of color. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't hate on it so much. But like we say on our podcast, it's always good to be critical of our own people, right? Like of our own work so that it gets better. And next time Absolutely. another Latino-centric musical comes up, you know, maybe, you know, it'll, it'll be better, you know? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and listen to that now. This is No Me Diga. This is from the musical In the Heights. Chitty piece of news. That girl never quit anything. What the hell happened? I don't know. I don't know. The guy is second best. 
Listen to some musica now. Um, <laughs> Fabi, can you talk about a little bit about this song that we just listened to after a chorus? Night? The from chorus line, a chorus line, baby. <laughs> what? Um, well, I was just trying to think of musicals that Latinos are featured in, but maybe are not specifically about Latinos. Sure, which are is also a really great representation. Like, look, we're normal people too, right? Mm-hmm. And in there's two Latinos in the musical chorus line. One of them is. Uh, Moreno, mm-hmm. who is from Puerto Rico, and she has a beautiful solo, but I love, I, I don't like slow songs, so that's okay. why I didn't pick that one. That's fair. So I picked like the main theme of a chorus line, <laughs> and it's just, chorus line is just so gay, it's great, it's like... Love gay. It's really gay, and it's like, uh, not rent, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> For real. And it's... Was it you who was it's asking music- me about why rent is like a thing? I don't understand. I can't watch. I can't listen to it. Uh, it I know a lot of people are going to be mad at that, especially New York people, but I can't. But it's exactly that. It's this romanticized idea of mm, New York. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah. gotta make rent, 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 rent. Ooh, one of us is gay. I have AIDS. I died. But I still got to pay rent. And it's yeah. just like, girl, it's intense. So Chorus Line is like that, but like lighter because it. it's like mm. about being in the chorus line of a musical. So it's like. In, it's like a musical about being in a musical. So right. it's, I love that when it, things are like self-referential and don't take themselves too seriously. So mm-hmm. that's why I chose that. That's cool. Yeah. Now, um, so you brought in No Me Digas, and as you said, it's about chisme. Yeah. And we're all chismosos in this room, chismosequis in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh, so, is it going to get good yes. right now? And so I feel like this is a good transition point to really talk to Vero. Yeah. Like, wow. so Ms. Vero, Veronica Castro, Veronica Valletti Flores. <laughs> uh, so tell, so obviously you are from Radio Menea. Yes. And you are from so much more. So just, you know, give our listeners a little, like, I mean, if, if you don't already know who these legendary people are, uh, give us a little sort of like intro into who you are and what you do. All right. Who am I? I have so many side hustles. Hello. So, you know, I'm just like out here doing the whole thing, um, trying to be a multifaceted person. Pero I have, uh, I'm the host, I'm a co-host of Radio Menea. Of course. As Richardina just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this damn nickname stuck. It's so stuck, girl. Good. I put it's it in my so phone. Good. It's not and even so like it I'm is a written. fan. <laughs> it's not even like I'm a fan of hers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But so I co-host Radio Menea, which is a Latinx music podcast with uh, my co-host Perez. Shout out to Perez. Um, And then uh, with my other work, so I do some writing, some mostly music writing these days. I started doing more political writing before, but these days I find that shit to be just too much and I can't. And I feel like there's like younger, more hopeful, less jaded people out there doing it. So that's good. But um, so I do mostly music writing, although sometimes that gets political for sure. But Hello. Um, but it's in a really different way than just like what's happening in D.C., which is sort of my wheelhouse. And then that kind of feeds into my other 
uh, piece of my work, which is what I do most of the time is I'm like a policy wonk. I think about um, how to make uh, policy, which is like, you know, laws and everything that structures the material conditions of our lives and how to think about changing that in ways that are intersectional and really, um, you know, benefit communities, all sorts of folks, right? So I've worked in movements for LGBTQ liberation, for racial justice, for immigrant rights, um, um, against police violence, you know, in all of that together, right? Queer, immigrant, brown yeah. folks that are like resisting the cops, you know, all of that shit. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's a little bit the short, short version bio of who I am, what I do. Well, and like, I mean, the misconception is that like all those different struggles that you pointed out are individual and it's like, right. they all cross paths all of the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, like, I mean, ultimately we're all fighting one system, one sort of belief and it's yes. just like... So. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I've been so fortunate to be doing this work in um, with organizations and with people and in movements that recognize that those are fights that are really tied to each other. That our liberation is all tied together. Um, and it's really frustrating when I'm in a space when it's like one thing is one thing, and then I like, okay, so this space I get to be gay and this space I get to be exactly. Latina and this space I get to be an immigrant, but yeah. when do I get to be who I am? Yeah. So that's really frustrating, but I... Fortunately, most of my work happens where I get to be all those things at once, and it's really cool. Now, um, you, you know, if, as a as a Radio Manet listener, I know that you are kind of the preeminent authority on Arca. Um, <laughs> you're a proud Venezolana, oh, and anything Venezolano, anything Venezuela, you are out here sort of slaying the game. I'm so, such a fan. Who are you? Who, like, obviously, like again, we know Arca. What are some other Venezuelan artists that you are just like perpetually obsessed with? Oh, you know, um, I was just listening to this group, this uh, trap group from Maracay, this song called Los Cheles. It's so good. It's about um, money and about, because in Venezuela, the inflation rate is so huge. Right. Um, and everything, like one day one thing costs something and the the next day it costs something else. And they're talking about like everybody's out here trying to make money and I'm out here trying to make money. And I was like, todo el mundo se rige por estos malditos papeles, you know? And it's yeah. like, so, it's so, so good. I really, really love it. So, okay. So, you know what? Let's listen to that now. This is the group Acapella with the song Los Cheles. Desde pequeño que 
pequeñito no lo enseñaron Fue el legado que nos dejaron Ya la vaina más pendeja cuesta como cinco mil Un helado con la jeva, eso son mínimo diez mil Con los precios de la polo, de la Sara y Fulambir De San Pil, a cualquiera se le ocurre delinquir This is real, los culpables no nos paran de mentir Los que deberían cuidarnos no apuntan el fusil no sé quién es más malandro, si el de Chapa o el civil Es el fin, Venezuela, ya parece Silent Hill Por eso todo el mundo se la está buscando Uno con la droga y otro achacando Los motorizados andan atracando Los de la frontera están contrabandeando Haciendo los chiles, los chiles, los chiles, los chiles, los chiles porque todo en el mundo se ríe, por eso malditos papeles Yo tengo una lista de cosas que quiero y aún no se pueden Y sigo soñando ese día en donde los cheles me llueven Quiero los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles Todo en el mundo se ríe, por eso malditos papeles Yo tengo una lista de cosas que quiero y aún no se pueden Y sigo soñando ese día en donde los cheles me llueven De pequeño yo veía a mi mamá muy preocupada Que hay tanta gente millonaria con plata robada Porque coño yo no puedo si la gano en forma honrada Yo no ando matraqueando en carretera ni al cabala Ni revendiendo caleta mercancía subsidiada El hambre de ser grande y de querer tener poder Hace que muchos se estrellen o más bien que se supere Yo lo tengo demasiado claro hermano no sé ustedes Quiero euro, quiero dólares Quiero los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles Todo en el mundo se ríe, por eso malditos papeles Tengo una lista de cosas que quiero y aún no se puede Sigo esperando del día en donde los cheles me llueven Quiero los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles, los cheles Todo en el mundo se ríe, por eso malditos papeles Tengo una lista de cosas que quiero y aún no se puede Sigo esperando el día en donde los cheles me llueven. Okay, so a lot of things are happening. So many things are happening. So, uh, I mean, trapeamos, you know, we... we trapeamos? Yeah. <laughs> we just mopped the floor, exactly. girl. Okay, I'm like, I we just swiffered the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we may have dabbed a little bit. There's some may lean, may some on the corner. May not have been some dabbing. <laughs> that was the first time I've ever dabbed in my life. Oh, wow. It's, a, could, it's an exclusive. A today first time in Sogmas history. You're, you're officially a white teenager. Um... <laughs> This is a lot. We are the most. Didn't Hillary Clinton dab? No, did she? I hope she did. I think she did. Can I get that on a t-shirt? Please. Yeah. I mean, it matches my Paquita del Barrio t-shirt. Can we talk about that t-shirt for one second? It's Paquita del... Sorry. La del Barrio. 
Holding a boombox. Holding a boombox on her shoulder. And girl, she's like wearing all her lentejuelas. <laughs> it's too good. It's too you good. You know, I actually had to decide between Paquita holding a boombox and Don Ramon holding a boombox. Oh, and it was like, I was like, I, a bunch of people have asked me where I got it. And it was in LA, right outside Supersonico Fest. May she rest in peace. Maybe back this summer. Who knows? But... But I don't, I don't know who did it. I don't know the designer. Oh I don't, like because it's just like an American yeah. apparel or a Hanes tea or something. Like yeah, yeah, it's you so know great, oh, so man. good. L.A. Like again, I didn't really enjoy myself the first time, but the souvenirs were lit. So good. Oh my god. Okay, so speaking of L.A., what a great transition. Um, so we're about to play a little song from the movie Zoot Suit. Um, so transitioning briefly back into musicals. Um, so, Fabi, why did you bring the song in? I wanted to bring in this musical because it's about Pachuco culture. And I recently uh, learned a lot about Pachuco culture because I'm in a show called Pachucos y Sirenas in mm-hmm. Denver. Ooh. And, um, yeah, and I thought that Pachuco culture was mostly like L.A. and Chuco, like El Paso, but it extends all over. So in the 30s, 40s, that's when you started seeing people wearing suit suits and mm-hmm. a lot of the farm workers mm-hmm. that were brought here kind of expressing their culture through that. And it was truly the beginning of the Chicano movement. Yeah. And uh, But, of course, in 1943, the suit suit riots happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of put an end to that identity because people needed to live. Right. Right. And right. survive. Survive. Um, but then the people... Streets. Yeah. The people that were part of the Pachuco movement are the, are the forefathers, foremothers of the... Chicano movement that started up again mm-hmm. in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when I found this musical, I was so happy to see uh, that it existed. Yes. That's amazing. So uh, yeah, let's so let's unpack that a little bit more because like, you know, a pachuco is a term that I've heard, a, you know, a number of times, but it's like, you know, it's not something that I'm super familiar with. So like, what are some... Uh, you know, like characteristic sort of like emblematic moments or, or traits of, of this sort of culture? Well, since we are of a certain age, you might remember the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. They totally <laughs> fucked up inappropriated Pachuco culture. <laughs> but you know how he was dressed in that? Like, yes, in that suit, in that the, yellow. Yeah, so the top of the suit is usually a little bit baggier, a little bit bigger, but right. it's still... It's still streamlined. It's yeah, still clean not lines, yeah. baggy, clean line. But the pants are right. juxtaposed to that clean shirt, like the the nice lines of the shirt. And they're, the pants are baggier. And then usually they have a chain and like a big hat with a big mm-hmm. feather on right. it. That's like the pachuco style. Like uh, La Maldita Vecindad. Like yes. That's, that's, that's yes. very much a look that they do. I've seen them do it at least. Yeah, and you kind of still see that represented in like current like Chicano culture. Like they'll, they'll, they'll wear a tight shirt and then like big pants with like suspenders right that's right. like mm-hmm. a nod at the mm-hmm. old chuco culture mm-hmm. oh because yeah, yeah. I, I i've seen that when i went to ruido fest like there were a bunch of people like again in like these high-waisted pants that were yeah. like super baggy and like the the girls like la marisol from la santa cecilia wears like the the, the style of dress like it's a little betty boobish yes exactly yeah. huh. and so chuco is the nickname for el paso so a lot of these people from la from denver new mexico arizona there was a car culture then the hot rod culture that Latinos, Mexicans, uh, they were not really allowed into that club, so they kind of created their very own. So that was also the beginning of lowrider culture. Lowrider culture, got it. Yeah, oh, so that's they very interesting. You're really educating these Caribbeans here today. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, that's exactly it. It's just like we're not particularly Chicano on so the So they would yeah. cruise to, to Chuco, and so they'd be like, hey, where are you going? Pachuco. 
What? Yeah. You just blew my yeah. mind. <laughs> so that's where a lot of it's not confirmed that that's where the term came from, but yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of historians will say that that's the beginning of the word uh-huh. pachuco. Yeah. So pachuco, wow. pachuca, um, and there was this border culture too. Like so on, you know, Nogales, but it's spe- specifically in um, El Paso Juarez. That's where like that culture thrived. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so the song that we're going to listen to is Vamos a Bailar. Uh, does this song come in at an, any particular special sort of moment in the film? Um, I think it's like somewhere in the middle just to like show that they show like their swing dancing skills, basically. And uh, what's interesting about this is that Edward James Olmos is in the movie version right. of this film, which is going to tie it into our next song selection. Ah, yes! Okay. Uh, all right, so we're going to listen to that now. Again, this is Vamos a Bailar. This now, is from the motion picture. I want you guys Zoot to tell suit. me exactly what happened right from the beginning. Papedo really started at the dance last Saturday night. <laughs> Cuando salgo yo a bailar, yo me pongo muy catrín, las cuchitas gritan, vamos a bailar el swing. Voy al vacilón y me meto a un salón. Las chavalas gritan: Vamos a bailar canzón. ¿Qué traes, cabrón? Come on, let's dance. Mambo sabrosón, se alborota el corazón Y con una chavalona vamos, vamos a bailar el mambo Okay, so um, we're back, and I think we're we're about to play like the song that we're we're kind of the most excited to play <laughs> on, the, on the show today. Um, yes. So, Fabi, you know what? I'm just gonna let you take the reins here. So, like, what well, is it that we're listening to? Um, the next song we're, we're about to play? listen to. Yeah. Well, technically, the movie Selena is not a musical, but there's a lot of music in it, right? Of course. Because, you know, J-Lo can't sing, so, you know, you have to actually sing to Pobrecita. me. That was a lip sync for her motherfucking <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> life! <laughs> I mean, you know what? 
she she, she she was safe from she the lip sync. She, she won. Yeah, she did it. She's the yeah. She did it. <laughs> but um, I mean, she. I mean, she. We were just watching the damn video. She's really good. I, I've never seen the movie, but she's really yeah, good in it. I mean, this is a great transition from like Pachuco to Chicano culture. Like Selena now has become basically a saint in the Chicano world. Yes, like, yes. so many people love her, and it's like. I mean, she represents so much, and I feel like the movie Selena, like especially for people my age, we didn't really know Selena because we were so young when mm-hmm. she was popular. Mm-hmm. So the movie became this thing that represented right. her. And so they actually did a musical called Selena Forever, but it's kind of trash. Um, um, but tying suit suit to Selena, Edward James Olmos is Selena's dad. Abe Quintanilla, yes. Abraham Quintanilla yes. in the movie. And one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Selena is at the outdoor concert and the crowd is pushing mm. against the gates mm-hmm. and they're about to, the stage is about to collapse and she sings Como La Flor. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's and so everybody good. just... just <sighs> everybody just <laughs> loses their mind and they're losing their mind and they're like all like... And yes. Okay. And she does a little wave. We're gonna. <laughs> we're going. Uh, like I haven't seen the movie. Um, that is shocking to me. How? How is that shocking? We need to remedy that for sure. I don't know because it plays on TV like every day, and then like kind of true. It's also like you have a podcast about Latin music and you haven't seen Selena. Well, first of all, we are el podcast ultra hipster. Sorry. <laughs> and, and everybody is on it's Selena, so I'm like, I reject. Um, yeah. Well, you know what? Actually, that's a good question for you, Edo, because you were talking earlier about how you uh, lived in Texas for a while. Yes. And that you really get it. And so, like, you know, again, I feel like it, Selena is obviously, as we said, a Chicano saint. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, what was your experience sort of like with Selena here and within Texas? Yeah. I mean, so when I, before I lived in Texas, Selena was just like, oh, she was like, I'd seen the movie. I think that she died maybe right when I got to the United States. So I remember the fallout from like, oh, the star that died. It was like on Primer Impacto all the time. But I didn't know who she was. Maria Celeste Herreras. (laughs) Yes, Maria Celeste (laughs) Herreras. She was the main reporter on that case. And still she earned every penny. She was so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so I remember seeing all the tea on Primer Impacto, Primer Infarto, as my mom likes to call it. Yeah. And <laughs> I almost spit my beer out. <laughs> so my good. abuelita lived for putting me back. That's yeah. the only reason I know Whoa. about it. But so I didn't. So I, you know, I kind of knew who she was. I saw the movie. I was like, oh yeah, Selena, cool. You know. But yeah. I feel like I, until I lived in Texas, I didn't really have like the this feeling for her that I have now, which is. You know, I just have this memory of being at this queer bar and everybody fucking stands for Selena in Texas. Like you have like the, obviously like the Chicano and Mexican folks are down for Selena, but it's not just that. It's like the black folks are down for Selena. Like the white folks from Texas are down from Selena. Like everybody's fucking down for Selena. And that's the thing that I was like, whoa, this is different. This is beautiful, right? Like this is an icon and she's ours, right? Totally. And she's like a Latina icon and like she's everybody's icon here, mm-hmm. right? In in Texas, she's everybody's icon. And I feel like I'd never seen that happen with a Latina before. 
Um, and it is, I feel like so after living in Texas, I was like, wow, yes, Selena. Fuck yes. Anything for Selena's. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is Como La Flor from the motion picture Selena. Okay, so we were having lunch before recording, and I said, oh, yeah, Nevada, this, that, and the other. And you were like, no, it's Nevada. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and I feel like there's a similar sort of, like, attitude with Selena, a.k.a. Selena. Yeah, and you know, like, I am a big Selena fan, so I watched a lot of her YouTube videos and a lot of her interviews. And there's a specific interview where somebody asked her that, Selena, Selena. And she kind of was just like sassy. She's like, boy, you already know. Ah! It's Selena. That's how you say it, right? And I think that goes to uh, show like how prideful she was of being a Chicana, of being a right. Tejana from yeah, Texas. Yeah. She pronounced, she identified more with being from the United States. So she, she pronounced her name Selena. Um, so mm-hmm. if you watch the movie, 
most of the people that are her fat and that the people that are closest to her say Selena, the people that are like the producers or the or the Mexicans in the film say Selena, right? Because yeah, they don't know yeah. her. So, I mean, it's there's no wrong way to say it, but she identified as Selena and not Selena. Mm-hmm. Useful tip. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and we were, and you were, we were also just, you know, b- while the the lovely music was playing, we were just also talking about uh, about Maria Celeste Raras. Oh um, my God, Maria Celeste! And her interview with, of course, the infamous uh, Yolanda Saldivar. Yes. Um, okay, your face, girl. Um, so. So, like, for those who don't know, Maria Celeste did uh, an exclusive interview with Yolanda uh, for Primer Infarto. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, like, elaborate a little bit on this, Fabi, because, like, you were, you were just talking about it. Yeah, so she was assigned by Telemundo or Univision. At the t- oh, Telemundo is Primer no, Infarto. Univision. Univision, right? Yeah. Sorry. Damn, I read the book and I don't remember. Um, so um, she was assigned to the case, and she, the whole time... She actually was playing both sides. So she was trying to get A.B. Quintanilla, I mean, Abraham Quintanilla's trust and Yolanda's trust. She could Mm -hmm. get exclusive interviews. And she got both. Um, And so that's why you saw the exclusive interview on Primer Infarto with Mm -hmm. um, Yolanda Saldivar. That was all her doing. And um, the book reveals a lot about Selena and... um, uh, maybe not the best light, so that's why a lot of people didn't want her. And I'm sure right. she, I'm sure she didn't say a lot of things because she still wants to be good, you know, in good with the Quintanilla family. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. But then they, there was an adaption of her book that came out, and it was going to be this like this like lifetime movie kind of thing. It was so bloody that people were so upset because people like to remember Selena, like I said, yeah. as the saint, right. and you know, the romanticized version of her dying in the movie is like the way that we want to remember her Mm -hmm. and not like how it actually happened of her like bleeding out like on the floor of a day's in in Texas. Did Yolanda say why she did it? I feel like that's tricky. She blamed her dad a lot, like that her dad was really controlling. She blamed her dad of self. She blamed, she said that Abraham actually sexually abused her. Um, He also said that um, she, there was a lot of contradictions. Sure. She was also mm-hmm. going to commit suicide. She bought the gun that she was going to kill Selena with weeks before, then returned it, then bought it again. Damn. You know, so she had been, it was premeditated, you know, right. she was thinking yeah, about it for yeah. a long time. It was, it's a very complicated case. I guess the reason I'm dwelling on this is because you on Latinos Who Lunch have said and maybe hinted at potentially starting a podcast about Selena. Um, and I want to know if there's any truth to that or if this is just a pipe dream. No, it, I, it's like when we do our episode on Selena, I want it to be like well-researched and, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to miss anything, right? So I think I'm reading the last book right now that's called Selinidad and it's like about the identities that surround Selena and like kind of like Frida, right? Like, and the, pe- right, the identities right. that people project onto her yeah. because okay. she's become bigger than life. So I'm also interested in that aspect of Selena, like especially like it, I'm sure it's going to inspire artwork after I learn oh, about yeah. that. Oh yeah. Middle, do you have anyone like that? Like that's like this saint, this or or, or is there someone like that in Venezuela? Mm. Like because I know that you're pretty still still pretty tied to Venezuela and. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't have anybody that's quite like that. Um, no, not anybody from when I was a kid. Not that I can think of right now. 
Because it's interesting, like, what Selena represents, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, again, in the U.S. And I I understand, like, from an immigrant, you know, point of view, from a Chicano point of view, from a Latino point of view, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, she she represents us thriving. Um, Yeah, yeah. And, well, I, I, you know, at at this point, we're we're definitely going to shift towards your playlist. (laughs) Um, And and what better place to take it than Selena? You know, we're in Texas. We're feeling that Tejano vibe, that that country desert energy. We're yes. going to talk about some country music. This oh my is God. truly a song mess. So the what musicals? A song mess. Well, see, the thing <laughs> is country. that when we had lunch, we were talking about, how did this come up? We were talking about like music that people don't know that we like, and I was talking about how much I love Dolly. Dolly. I love Dolly. I saw her in concert before Richardina and I knew each other. And we, 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 we were, were both, both at the same show. I cried several times. I just several love times. <laughs> I didn't, several I, times. I just yazzed several times. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Sad. I just couldn't believe that I was in her presence. I think she's really fabulous. And I have a really soft spot in my heart for the ladies of classic country. And um, and it's a total totally outside mostly of my um, admiration for Latinx music. But the next song we're going to listen to has Dolly Parton in it, but it's from uh, uh, her album, her trio album that she did with Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt. And Linda Ronstadt is Mexican. Yes. She's from Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so I think that people don't know that, that there's like, you know, a, like a really classic uh, woman of country, um, who was a legend and is Latina too. So. Absolutely. Love this song. So the song is called The Pain of Loving You. Again, this is by the trio Dolly Parton, Linda Ronsat, Emmylou Harris. Uh, and we're going to listen to that and we'll be right back. Oh, the pain of loving you. Oh, the misery I go through. Never Can't stand to see me happy 
My clothes are all ragged My goodwill coat's not the best And I'm walking on cardboard In my last dollar dress I looked in the closet For my wedding gown But the box that it came in Was all that I found He took everything with him That wasn't nailed down Bet he's got a new sweetheart To fill my wedding gown But somewhere I'll find him Then I'll have peace of mind And the box he comes home in Will be all satin lined He took everything with him That wasn't nailed down Bet he's got a new sweetheart To fill my wedding gown But somewhere I'll find him Then I'll have peace of mind And the box he comes home in Will be all satin line. Okay, so I really feel like there is so much to discuss here. Um, so, so let's let's first discuss the let's discuss the first song first. So, like the that Better. trio yeah. is just the, the harmonies. Oh my god, oh, those three part harmonies. Those women work so well together. Dolly is playing her various stringed instruments with her giant <laughs> claws, which. I don't understand the physical properties of, but I admire nonetheless. And we've both seen it live. We both know yes, it's real. It's real. Wow. She does it. She somehow is able to do it really well. I just, and, and you know, Emmylou Harris and Linda Ronstadt and Dolly Parton can really fuck up a harmony. And Linda Ronstadt also Ooh. plays. Yes. Like played, plays, plays. I feel like she's sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She's, it's so good. It's so good. I, it's a whole, they have a whole album of songs together. I highly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. This is incredible. I can't wait like to like, you know, be home or whatever so that I can find this record. Cause it's, it's, that was it's excellent. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Um, again, the song is uh, The Pain of Loving You. Yes. Uh, that's incredible. Now, uh, I want to talk about the second song we just listened to. So Wanda this is Jackson. Wanda yes. Jackson. <laughs> I mean, never has there been a more country name. Yes. Um, now, tell me about this song. So what's the, what's the song again? The song is called The Box That It Came In. And I really, it's, it really speaks to my soft spot for songs in which women murder their boyfriends or husbands. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. 
I love that shit. And so the song, she talks about how she is like, she's hungry. She has this coat from the Goodwill. She's totally broke. Her husband left her for some new girl. And he took her wedding dress. And all she has left is the box that it came in. And she's like, but I can't wait till I have some peace of mind because the box that he comes home in is going to be all satin lined. Damn. This bitch is going to murder him. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as she sets her eyes on him, it's so good. And I just, I just feel like there's this idea of like, you know, women, um, you know, 50, 60 years ago being meek and, and being that way, not just in life, but also in pop culture. And there's so many ways that they resisted. Right. And, and we're just like fucking amazing. And I just, I just think it's really great. I think, um, and women in country specifically did a lot of that. Well, I feel like that's where country music has, has built its sort of iconic, you know, place in, in music in general. It's just like, it's these stories about yes. resilience or about like heartbreak that they're so honest. I mean, you know, the men in country music are just like these like brick walls of like, you know, emotion, you know, like, well, I mean, void of emotion, I should say. And then they, you know, blurt it all out on into song. And I feel with these women, you know, they were like always so dainty and like so polished or whatever. And then like the anger and right. like, the betrayal and the revenge that yes. they would like, you know, mm. fantasize about in these songs was just so inspiring. I know. I love it so much. I really love that it's a storytelling uh, medium. I think that both country and hip hop are both really storytelling. Mm. And whenever I... Uh, people don't say this as much anymore because white people like hip hop now, but it used to be that a lot of people used to say, oh, I listen to everything except for rap and country. And it's like, do you just hate poor people? Like, like you know, like, it's like <laughs> so I feel like I really appreciate both of those genres for being really like the genres of storytelling of like the working class and working poor of, of this country is so cool. So why does, why is that why country resonates with you or is it more of like a sonic I feel well. It, I feel it resonates with me in that way, and I feel like it's more. Um, usually, I'm very sound oriented. Mm-hmm. I'm not very lyrics oriented generally, but I think that uh, it in for country. It, I've I've come to really love the sound and the slide guitars and that mm-hmm. Lana yeah. Jackson song. I love it so much. But um, that was more of something that I grew into. I really what pulled me in were the stories and like the sort of stories of resilience. Like even. You know, we didn't play Loretta Lynn, but Loretta Lynn has all these super feminist songs about the birth control pill and like, you know, just like such, she's just such a feminist icon. Um, And I think that that's really what pulled me in with countries, all these stories and all these like areas where women were really resisting like this. uh, There's this idea of like what country is and that's just not it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I think like me as like a brown gay you know, my, my perception of country has always been like, oh, well, those people hate me. Right. You know? And why wouldn't it be, right? right? Like, you think of, like, contemporary yeah. country, country, like, like country music awards, right? Like, Ugh. just awful motherfuckers who, yeah. you know, when Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks showed up to, like, as a big fuck you, you're just oh, like, that was yes. so good. Yes. And people were so pressed. People were so pressed. <laughs> I feel like that was just, like, the biggest fuck you to, like, the modern, horrible country that you're talking about. Right. Right, um, that I'm but, about to play. Well, but, they, <laughs> yeah. but, but there is yeah. some gems in there. There's like, totally there's gems some in there's there. some country uh, uh, performers that are still 
I mean, recording bangers. Yeah, <laughs> bangers. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm gonna I, like this is the, the this is the only song that I pushed for today, and like it's like because it's it's maybe the only country song. It's like one of five country songs that I can like reference. But I really like that Carrie Underwood song. Oh, you know? so good. I know. I love it's, it. It within this genre of like women fucking up men's stuff. So I mean, fuck I your car. It. Fuck your little souped up four wheel drive. Fuck your couch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. All right, so let's listen to that now. This is Carrie Underwood with Before He Cheats. Slow dancing with a beach blonde tramp And she's probably getting thirsty Right now He's probably buying her some fruity little drink Cause she can't shoot whiskey Right now He's probably up behind her with a blue stick Showing her how to shoot a combo And he don't know I dug my key into the side of this I certainly hope all y'all uh, 
we're on your Instagram stories and our Instagram stories because this little moment will be on there and it's really great. Um, so it's we, really something to she watch. She took a, a Louisville slugger. <laughs> <laughs> she took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. Slashed a hole in all four tires. Damn. You better think. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that like, you know, not only was I able to like have a little bit of Radio Menea and Latinos who watch on here, but like, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to give it the messy, messy song mess treatment. So, oh yeah, t- today is is a bunch. Today is a lot. I'm this so is glad. Dripping, um, dripping in mess. And shout out to Babelikis, you know, wherever you uh, are. Yes. Actually, he inspired this because he hates musicals. Yeah. And uh, you too, Pat from the Colores Radio. I dedicate this episode to you. <laughs> Oh, was she like? Uh, was she like Team Babelito? On Twitter, in that fight? she's like, I hate musicals. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, girl, we belong in all spaces. Like, let's be proud of all our representation. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Listening to sad ass. I don't music. approve of using wokeness to you know shade people, but you know, <laughs> what you must. Um, I mean, you know, Pat and I will watch plenty of Star Wars when I'm down in Dallas. But um, <laughs> all right, so uh, we've reached the end of the show. Um, Please, uh, mi gente, introduce yourselves uh, or like plug your chicle. Um, so, Fabi, uh, where can people listen to you? Find your work. Where can people listen to Latinos Lunch, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, personally, I'm at Favi Fav, F A V Y, F A V, JustinFavela.com.net. Yes. I own all those uh, slash domains. EDU, <laughs> slash all four tires. Slash go- <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Latinos Who Lunch with Babalito and I, we come out every Thursday. And we're at Latinos Who Lunch on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Latinos Who Lunch. Check us out, Latinos Who Lunch. All right. And now, Vero, what's up with you? All right. So you can find me personally at Vero Con Platanos on Twitter and Instagram. But for Radio Menea, we're at Radio Menea on Twitter, at Radio Menea on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Radio Menea, Radio Menea.com. It's all very easy. You can find us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on wherever you listen. So if you just Google it, loca. Yeah. I didn't have to do it. <laughs> And of course, we are Song Mess. Uh, we are, again, we are on all the social media platforms at Song Mess. Uh, email us, uh, song suggestions, complaints, really sock the complaints, but uh, all at songmessmusic at gmail.com. Big shout out to Beverlina Waith. Um, oh, Beverlisha. Beverlisa Beth Taylor. Beverlina Dunham. Um, <laughs> no, actually, she, she actually said, please don't use that. Beverly Bonina Brown. <laughs> Um, we love you, Bev. Uh, can't wait to have you on the show in, you know, next week. Um, but yes, and so we're going to close out with uh, a classic, an absolute classic that yes. I feel ties together both our themes for the day. Mm-hmm. That's right. So the next song is by our lady beloved, Dolly Parton. Yes. And this song, you will recognize it. And maybe you haven't heard her version, but her version is the original. Um, this song is called I Will Always Love You, uh, and it is actually from the movie Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Mm-hmm. Which neither of us knew, and like, and we are both shook it. Yes, it is. It's an amazing musical. I can't wait to watch it's it. It's such an amazing movie. I feel like it is so sex worker friendly, which is very ahead of everybody's time for when that movie was made. Yeah. The song actually makes sense in this movie as opposed to in The Bodyguard, which I, it's unclear why 
homegirl and her bodyguard can't be together. But, um, you know. That's true. I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's a classism thing, I suppose. Yeah, oh. I, I suppose. But, I mean, they're both, they're rich. They could make it work. Yeah. Like, on this one, like, it was like the governor of Texas and a hooker, you know, like, se entiende. Eso sí. You know? Amor prohibido. Uh, amor prohibido. Amor prohibido. We love Dolly. We love the best little whorehouse in Texas. This is a great song. Okay, cool. So that's a perfect way to wrap up. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you both for being on this ridiculous, messy, messy show. <sighs> what an honor. Oh, it's so great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. So fun. What a fucking blessing. This is, uh, okay, so we're signing out. This is Dolly Parton, the legend herself, with the iconic song, I Will Always Love You. But above all this, I wish you love.